0: what's going on everybody welcome to the first episode of hollywood already did it presents buddies for life the falcon and the winter soldier a new mini-series from the creators of wandavision a history of sitcoms or i guess from us if you've normally listened to the show you know that it's about reboots remakes sequels adaptations stories of hollywood does over and over and over again and why they may or may not be doing that however in the wake of movies not being a thing in theaters anymore except now they kind of are we're getting there uh but there aren't any new ones so instead we're going to continue our episode by episode breakdown of the disney plus marvel shows if you were following us a few weeks ago you know we were doing wandavision and a history of sitcoms well now with falcon and the winter soldier we are going to be bringing you every week a recap of the episode our reactions our expressions our thoughts on it And then a time, a movie, a period of buddy cop movies and that genre, and pairing it up with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and dissecting themes and genres that Hollywood has done and is now doing with this show. As always, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Jamie Jarrett. Hello. And Terrence Tatum.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Well, guys... The long wait of one week between <laughs> Disney content is over. I missed uh, you guys so much. I
1: know it's been so long.
0: It oh. feels like it. That one weekend with nothing
1: was just so hard. I think it's weird because just especially with us with with work and life and thursdays that during the wandavision run was like i'm looking forward to this i know i have this it's gonna be my midnight on thursday i I get to sit down and i look forward to this and having that one week where i didn't have it i was like what do i what do i do now like i did actually cut on the making of just because i was like well i I gotta have something
0: you know it's amazing i hated the theories i hated twitter i hated all the crazy expectations we put on the show And yet, when I didn't have it for a week, I was a little
1: sad.
2: (laughs) I didn't know what to do with myself, you guys. I've watched so much Modern Family. I only have six episodes of the entire series
1: How is that possible? (laughs)
2: I've watched 11 seasons in one month. (laughs) So I guess I like it. I guess that's where we land.
0: Yeah. Come a long way from, I don't know, guys. This first season has some dice, and it does. I mean, don't get me wrong, but here we mm-hmm. are 11 years you're now caught up to like now you're almost now. at just where we were here it's weird a year yeah ago. like all the
2: current references it's yeah. bizarre um yeah it was a, it was a month long journey of like watching all these human beings evolve into people <laughs> like and now i'm really sad that i'm done with it. <laughs> it's it's always
0: any show that spans a decade has at least one episode where you have there's a jarring reference that you're not ready for i love watching the simpsons now and they like do esports or iphones or they have a widescreen tv and i'm like what is this
1: like what are you what, how did this happen
0: how did we get here yeah why are they ref- or like i watched a new episode of family guy for some reason and they referenced like deadpool i was like why are we doing a deadpool cutaway did they cut away to the 80s what is this why are we doing this but <laughs> well, we're it's not done. here to uh, sack television shows anymore Except for one,
2: Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, so,
0: what did we all think
2: of the pilot? Uh,
1: Jamie, you go first.
2: I'll go for sure. I, I liked it. Um, I had I there was some of the writing I didn't care for. Um, some of it felt uh, um I keep saying this but heavy handed. Um, a little a bit much. I I don't like it. Um, when. I really dislike when people befriend someone out of guilt and then we have to watch and wait for them to like admit that they murdered their son. Um, It's like the reason why I can't watch dead to me. I just like I cannot stand like these kind of unnecessary secrets that you didn't need to get yourself involved in. and Now I have to watch and be anxious with you. I hate that. Uh, and then when the when the girlfriend was like or the the guy she girl she was he was that bucky was on a date with was like um it's so terrible losing a son huh can you believe can you imagine and we're like okay i get it but other than that i thought it was great um i uh i enjoyed uh seeing bucky and sam again i think by the end of this i'm gonna have like a big crush on Bucky I think that's where I'm headed um I love a sad boy who just wants to be who just wants to reform I'm a sucker for that (laughs) Um, but the big thing was the end uh that's what got me because I felt it when they when when Wyatt Russell walked out as Captain America I wanted to punch somebody like they did a good job of making me angry in that moment
1: yeah uh I connected to that a lot um it's 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 funny I I agree with some of the some of the Bucky stuff felt a little bit heavy-handed um uh especially like they were definitely telegraphing. was like oh cool he's the one responsible for his son's death we got it thanks you don't have to be this you're pointing literally pointing arrows so like look at us this is what we're doing we're so creative um whereas I think uh Sam's side was a little bit more nuanced I liked uh, pretty much everything that he had going on with his Uh, specifically the two things that stuck out to me the most was, as a black man, it was clear to me, and that's why I was glad that uh, Rhodey was there, but it was clear to me that when he was giving up that shield, Rhodey was like, hold on, I I don't know if you should be doing this, because he gave this to you, and you have something to make this your own, but I know, I know how the government works. (laughs) The second you give this to them, they're like, cool, we're going to go give this to some random white dude, because it'll be a better sell than you um and i was like oh that's gross and then the ending happening and that hits but the part that hit me the most was the the, the with him trying to get a, a loan uh that just on multiple levels one it's on the marvel side of it you're like yeah that is true these guys have been gone for five years uh they don't have any work history or credit history for the last five years it's going to be hard to get that type of stuff but also he's black The up in the room it's very 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 rare that black people are given given uh equity and, and, and loans like that. So it's a it's a twofold thing. And I know people have been kinda of going on I'm like, why didn't Stark pay these folks? Not Stark's job, guys. Stop that. <laughs> um but I, I I did
2: struggle thinking like how 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 can an avenger not afford a fishing boat but um but then like the, as the week went on and responses came I'm like okay i i will buy this but at first i'm like the man just saved the world there's it's like a, not a part like he's not asking for much He just has it's a,
1: a weird boat. thing and, and i mean that's what we're going to sort of get with these type of shows it's a weird thing that this is being brought up now because i think it's one of those things that we always sort of just ignored it. it's sort of how when like characters always exist. You're like, oh, we don't worry about them like going to the bathroom and doing all that stuff. All the stuff that is kind of day to day, we don't really concern ourselves with. So now to bring it up after 20 some plus films and the second series seems a bit weird, but I am glad they're going there because it's like, oh, this opens up new questions that we, we didn't get to play with before.
0: Well, I think we're seeing the next big question of these worlds. And as they get bigger and more connected to our own, we start asking these nuanced questions about it. And I think the first time we really did that with this genre in a modern world was post Man of Steel and going, wait a minute, they just blew up an entire city. And it's because it harkens so hard back to national tragedies we've had. And we've kind of now are able to go, wait a minute, it's not, you don't get to just go walk into Metropolis after you decimate it you're like literally breathing in people who were just lasered out. Like what is going on? And from there, we did start to tell stories of civil war and Batman versus Superman and the second season of daredevil. And what are the ramifications of this? And these people are just unlicensed. And I think the next logical step of that is how are they all paying the bills? Cause you have to assume under the Sokovia Accords, and when they're licensed by shield, there's a paycheck, but if they're, Not then, what are we doing? So it is like, and Stark does make a comment in Age of Ultron. I just pay for everything. I design everything. So it's like for a minute he might have been footing the bill. He's also been dead now,
1: right? He's been dead, and uh, Sam was not pro Tony, so he wouldn't have been on Tony's payroll anyway. (laughs) He was with Cap. He was on Cap's side. (laughs) Yeah. So so
0: it, it 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 begs an interesting question that. I think a lot of shows have to reconcile with. I feel like there's always a moment in like, it's always sunny. or The Office. Any show with like big hijinks has to have some, well, you know, Frank has a lot of money. Don't ever worry about how we're doing any of this anymore. That's the answer to that question. And the Avengers just never did that. There never was a, they're not an LLC or anything
1: <laughs> right i have to
2: say it does bum me out though watching heroes struggle with money it's why spider-man 2 is not i don't love it as much as most people because i'm like i don't want to watch peter parker just be just really struggling you're with like
1: you like i like, wanted i want him to do the hero stuff i don't want to see him it, struggling i'm
2: like i don't i don't need to be reminded how hard it is to to live <laughs> paycheck to paycheck that's not what i want when people are like crushing monsters i don't want to be reminded of how hard life is but i but i'm not to say that's a bad thing i think it is Cool that they're taking that route. It just bums me out. Yeah, it's it's challenging
0: because it really makes you realize what we can do now with this blip is watch in real time how we respond to a world-changing catastrophe. <laughs> the same way that I think our world is, and we're we're watching people reconnect with loved ones. And I think what I liked so much about this show to juxtapose it with Division was that it was so unique in that WandaVision showed us the tragedy that happens to one person and the dealing with grief and dealing with these ramifications when it's just you and Winter Soldier Falcon and the Winter Soldier is showing us globally what is happening and it's showing us this weird juxtaposition that we even do I think in our real world with like veterans or celebrities or anybody else of oh man you really did it can we get a photo together I'm not gonna help you but right. like, can you just flex and let me get yeah. a photo of it? Like, that would be dope. Like I'm a
1: fan of yours. I am in a position to help you with some stuff, but I don't, we can't, I can't do that. But can I get a pic for my gram?
0: I, I love <laughs> that, that. I love yeah. that whole scene of <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. what are we doing?
1: It's it's interesting because like I think post post uh in game they just open up a lot of doors like they made it they just put the blip and people back in place with I was like we'll 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 get there we'll talk about the ramifications of that down the line but we're just gonna put this back on the board and we know that there's gonna be a lot to to pull off of and I love how it's being done in different ways like Spider Man sort of did the the comedy tongue and cheek kids just pop in and it's less of a a deal with teenagers and kids because when they come back they don't their finances aren't a big deal like they, they may have missed a year or a couple years of, of school but for the most part they can pop back in and their adult stuff hasn't been adjusted but you see in wandavision that was like a horror movie hurry and drop back in and then here you're dealing with some of the aftermath it's just fascinating now how much they get to sort of play with all of that uh post in game
0: it's interesting we're never really going to go back to the mcu before that where it was a little bit easier we now really which is good because I feel like they would have had a big problem if they were just like it's fine now. Like,
2: well, that's what I struggled with with Spider Man because I loved the Spider Man sequel, but also it's like it, it did feel like things were too normal. But I mean, it was eight months. I'm glad that we were going back in time a bit um, to see sooner after it happened.
0: And even that one had very weird moments of like, oh you know, Martin Starr's girlfriend. She said she was blipped. She ran away with this yoga and this hiking teacher, or whatever it is, and. You do have people like claiming they're 21, but they were blipped. So really they're 17. There's a lot of more like silly angst. And
1: and it's done as jokes, but it's actually when you think about it, like, oh yeah. You get some some of the frustration. Your wife may have moved on. That's fascinating. And
0: you you get some frustration in it. You get a lot of these students who are like, why do I have to restart? Like I, I did all of these classes already. Like let me live my life. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of different sides of it but it was you know that ending that I think we've all talked about where you get the bottom shelf cereal of Captain America at the end that just comes in the plastic bag and it looks like Captain Crunch but it's it's not but, I do
2: love Wyatt Russell though and I'm excited I do that, too. He, that mm. he's in this show and I think mm. he's going to be a good swarmy kind of because I assume that's where it's headed I don't think we're supposed to like him um, correct and uh uh, I'm excited, uh, if you, I'm sure I've said this before, but if you haven't seen Ingrid Goes West, he's married to Elizabeth Olsen in it. So, everyone's Yeah, watch.
1: it's funny, there's gonna be a lot of people talking about, oh, how I've always known about the US agent. You no, know, you haven't, stop, you've not. Yeah. Um, I know the name. <laughs> right, I was like, that's all I got. Um, but I, I do, I think it's clear that that's gonna be the impetus that sort of brings Sam and, and, and Bucky back together. It's like, oh. hold up, you're still in my boy's thunder. And I don't know this dude. If anybody's gonna steal and put that, uniform is going to be one of us, not this backyard dude that you found.
2: How long do you think before people do the whole, Elizabeth Olsen's related to Mary-Kate Nashley before, before the new fake Captain America is Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell's son?
0: Episode three. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's going <gonna> <laughs>
0: to uh, They'll make some weird connection with Guardians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's all coming. Ugh. The nepotism of the MCU is inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the only other side of it that we haven't talked about a little bit is Bucky and is this therapy. And I I am a sucker for any short movie that just shows therapy. And I'm also a sucker when they just have terrible therapists.
1: Yeah. I
0: uh love this awful woman. Just like, let me see your phone. You're ignoring Sam. You have five numbers in here. You're a loser. You
1: are wow. a loser. Like, You're alone.
0: My <laughs> God. <laughs> like, Jesus. What? I love seeing some classic Winter Soldier action. I mean, look, if you wanted the action back that wasn't really in WandaVision that much, this gives it to you in spades. That Falcon
1: sequence is nuts.
0: (laughs) We get the Leaper to come back, which is great. He's moving. You would think those wings are controlled telekinetically. He is doing stuff. He's done more aerial expertise in this one episode than any Iron Man movie has, bar none. You get a classic Winter Soldier just eerie terminator watching him fight scene this unstoppable force it's going to be great to see where all this goes and i think that that's what we're going to get i just really want to get to the 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 banter i really want to get to the silly buddy cop bucky and sam
1: I think that's where I sat when this was over. I was like, oh, it's good to see and put them both on the board. I'm glad they're both there. I, I'm a, you, Blake and I love Iron Man 3. So anytime you deal with PTSD, I'm all in. So that's why I'm, I'm good with the Bucky stuff. But I do think, hey, guys, we only have five more episodes. We need to go hurry up and put these two together. Because that's where the, the sweet spot is with the two of them interacting with each other.
0: I completely agree. So this brings us, I think, to the buddy cop of it all. Movies that people have loved for years. It's a great way to do action comedy. I think it's a great genre to build in some interesting themes to deal with. There's always a, not like a will they, won't they sexually, but like a friendship will Except they. Except Tango
2: they. and Cash, which well, I will go to my grave saying is the gayest movie ever made. And my dream is to write a Tom sequel Mason, and yeah. Stallone and Russell or Stallone, um and they and also let let me make them gay in the sequel. That's my dream. Uh, just putting that out in the universe if anybody knows them and wants to
0: (laughs) so then guys what to you defines a buddy cop movie and and why are they important
2: well you know it's like you said opposites attract they're always going to be completely different um and uh i I personally prefer when there's the humor element um and it doesn't even know you know it's mostly cops but doesn't have to be cops um and, uh, and, you know, the genre has changed a lot, but um, I think it, a, a big thing, which I think, you know, comes back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a major, a big brunt of these movies are um, a black man and a white man and, and how their methods differ and their history differs.
1: The, yeah, different ethnicities typically is where you get the sweet spot of, of that, like black or white, or even like Rush Hour, where it's black and Asian, like where they're, where they're not, a one-to-one it usually is where you find you find the the money spot of all of that um i also think it's it sucks but it's also typically the same sex pairings because typically when you do alternate sex it automatically it's like will they want they? are they is it a sexual it becomes like a love story as opposed to the buddy cop tessa and chris hemsworth might be the only ones that are sort of can kind of recently get away with being opposite sex You're like oh they're they're not sexual they're just friends and, yeah. and but for the most part it's really, it has to it's usually the same sex uh folks but yeah one person is quote unquote the straight man and the other person is the wild card I won't say funny person because it's not always comedy but they're like the the wild card I think uh like Lethal Weapon Mel Gibson is definitely the wild card of that group. He's not necessarily the funny man, but he's like a, a loose cannon a bit. Right. You sort of need that in the loose first cannon. Movie,
2: it's more right. He gets it right. all gets He gets there. He they, it all gets nuts. You know, yeah. <laughs> once you add Joe Pesci in the mix, it just becomes problem. and then Chris
1: and then Chris Rock, you're like, okay, we're now a comedy. This is we but stop putting it The first
2: action. movie, he's like got a gun in his mouth. Oh yeah.
1: He's like, like well, about to kill he, himself. He
2: almost kills yeah. himself like a couple <laughs> <laughs> times in that The actual script script originally
1: had him killing himself. Like the original script was him going to kill himself. And they were but like, Hollywood
0: oh, loves a franchise. They were like, we got, we we got made- money oh, here. No, we're are- not
1: leaving money on the table.
0: <laughs> Death in a film. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're going to bring back every Marvel character. Uh, I completely agree. I think it's interesting, one, that we call it buddy cop. And two, that it's so heavily associated with comedy now. Because Jamie is right. It really is more of the pairing of to like almost a Romeo and Juliet clash of like, well, this gang and this gang, and they have to work together to do a common goal. Because I think now, especially, it's a lot harder to be like, the cops are the fun ones, mm-hmm. Um if it ever yeah. was easy to do. And so I think you're getting more things like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, and hundreds of others. But the comedy really only started coming out in the 80s and the 90s, post-Lethal Weapon, post-Naked Gun, Rush Hour, 48 Hours, all of these, Heat, all of these movies that kind of started just being like sillier and sillier and sillier. But the first one that we're choosing, which is really the first American buddy cop movie, and I'm sure we'll get to the uh, the true first one eventually, is in In the Heat of the Night. An amazing movie.
2: Five-time Oscar winner, Best Picture.
1: Um... One of my favorite humans ever and actors ever sydney poitier yeah it's
2: which fair. i am shocked that that year was he the night and Guest is coming to dinner were both nominated for best picture and he wasn't nominated for either movie
1: for either one of them and, and he both already of those won an oscar light. at that point right. um, and, and i can't
2: yeah. and were they like well we already gave the black guy the oscar we don't need to nominate him again But us like, like i can't believe he was nominated for either movie that year
1: yeah
2: so, especially I mean, I it, i guess but you know <laughs>
0: Well, then, now especially, it's one of the biggest quotes of all time. I think more people know this quote than they know
1: the movie. They call me Mister Tibbs. It's it's, true. it's so it's so weird because that movie won Academy Awards and, and and Rod won, but I'm like they were a yin and a yang. Like both of them are equally on the same part. How he was not even nominated is just it's just it's crazy nuts. It's yeah.
2: really frustrating. And it's it funny because I had never seen the movie before, and I didn't. I knew that line, but I didn't know it, that it was from there. So I had that moment. I was like, oh!
1: Like, I know this. Yeah.
2: Wait a minute. That's a
0: Lion King quote. <laughs> How dare they? So yeah, the movie comes out. It's the late 60s. We're, we're deep in the genre of the mystery, the thriller, the crime. Everything's very dark and gritty. And we have this movie show up. And awards everywhere. So what Why is this a buddy cop movie? Because if you think about that term now, the way we think about it, and this movie. So different.
1: Very different. Uh, Yeah, we normally do, It's normally lends itself to comedies. I think Seven is also a, Crime buddy film. Buddy.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think we'll be ever calling that one a fun buddy. Come.
1: Yeah, it's not a fun time. Um, <laughs> like what
2: could be in that box? I, you know, time <laughs> went on. The, the 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 buddies in question usually like halfway through the movie is when they they become kind of partners and and it took um I mean the Rod was he was racist the whole movie. I mean, kept calling him boy. He dropped the N word a couple times um uh and it wasn't until the last shot of the movie where um he's getting on the train to leave and he's like he's like kind of you know and uh and said his thing and in, in my mind now it's like well too little too late buddy you were yeah. really awful to him this yeah. whole time an and hour
1: we- and 45 minutes yeah. you were a dick to this man <laughs> but, but back
2: then i understand that like that you know it was it was a different time and they were in in in, in their mind they were making kind of a uh he is a good guy because he's not racist anymore, which we know. Hollywood well, yeah. loves a
0: story about a racist but, who might be okay. Yeah.
2: So, um, but one thing about this movie I really liked was the direction. I I get why it was it was revered. There were a lot of interesting stuff, and for an action movie of the time, it did have some like good heated moments, like the where they're chasing the suspect. Um, around and like the train gets in their way uh, and I'm, I'm a big Norman Jewison fan who directed it because he also directed Moonstruck which is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time um, so there's there's a lot going for it this movie
1: yeah um, I think especially at that time to do a film that is uh, as such a poignant like point and message that is that they're trying to do they basically take a very strong subject matter like, a, a huge racial divide is like, let's make this a buddy film so that we can make this a little bit more palatable to everybody uh, watching this. Because otherwise, I don't think this is a subject that we would broach, really, in late 60s to multiple people at the same time. <laughs> we're, we're not having this conversation. So I think this is a way. And you take two just top-of-their-game actors, like, because in, in worst hands, this could become very ham-fisted and, and kind of silly to have both of them doing it is like all right we've picked two players to kind of put this on the board they are they could not be more different <laughs> from one another um and we're going to put this message out but also hide it behind being a a cop a cop buddy film um and i think that was a smart way to do this uh a very it's a it's it's a great film but it is still even today a very hard film to watch um because unfortunately while things have gotten Better. It is not completely rectified itself. So a lot of the things that are in here still hold true.
0: Well, Terrence, if it was perfect, we wouldn't have this Falcon of the Winter Soldier pilot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: I spent I spent that movie being like, I cannot believe this was made fifty four years ago, and it's like, yep, cops are racist. Isn't that the same deal five decades later? Because the reason why he helps them is because he gets falsely accused of the crime because he just happens to be in the train station he in the to town yeah um and and so they arrest him for the crime um for no reason at all and it's like wow i it's 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 that i think that um because most most of these movies are cop movies and i think that as we go on and talk about these movies it's it's going to be a theme for everyone i know in in like in lethal weapon when all those kids are like hanging out um because they had just witnessed like a crime or something and like they they're they like the little kids like say to, um, to Donald Governor Mel Gibson that's definitely um, I, I think a major theme and that works with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because um, I mean race is going to be a big part of that show. I think
1: race is going to be a huge part of this I, I, I think it's important to note that a lot of the reason why this movie sticks around too is that it came out right after or around the race rights in like Detroit and in Milwaukee so it, 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 there was a lot going on around this picture too
0: yeah, I feel like those tensions were high, were kind of right around a lot of that movement in that era, which we you almost always are. In almost any decade, America is dealing with its racist past in a different way. Uh, so its you could throw a dart and be like, oh, no, we were doing racist shit and dealing with the other racist shit we had done before. Uh, do you feel that, like, that theme, like any racial theme or tension is is consistently prevalent in these buddy cop movies i feel like it's almost baked into the dna because to the earlier point it almost is always a mixed a blacker and white or asian and black or white and other something so is it always does this genre invite that kind of growth i guess or dealing with those themes
1: i think it just plays better there's there's more room for growth and acceptance and learning about even your own faults and your own uh, biases and stuff. If you have somebody that is completely the, the opposite of you, uh, I think if you have just two white dudes or two, even two black dudes. It's just not going to work as well. Now it's weird because I think I think Bad Boy is one of those ones where it does work. Um, but I think they're they're both comedians so or comedic actors anyway. So it it's it's a bit of a, a different uh, a case there. Um, but I think for the most part, but even then, they're different than each other. One's like a street, street black dude, and one's like this fancy, I'm, I'm a super rich guy. So it's a little really, bit
0: more about
2: class. It's a classism
1: type of thing, right? That's, that's, um,
2: Midnight Run is one of my favorites, and that's um, De Niro and Charles Grodin. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and only one of them's a cop, um, and that movie is so, so funny. And it's kind of a similar, you know, there's there's a class thing going on there for sure.
1: But I, th- I just think you get I know in comedy you used to get more out of it when they're opposite ethnicities uh, I think like their gene wilder and richard Pryor had a run there where they would be like two or three stir crazy I know it was one of. Their better ones, but here, no, we will see no it was another where they just the two of them comedic just out the wazoo for the both of them, but they gotten the majority of their jokes off of playing against each other's racial stereotypes, like whatever stereotypes they have. And while it might be a little bit dicey now, it's just like, oh, that's hilarious because the two of them are playing each other. They were in on the joke, so I think it helped that the, the audience was also in on the joke, but I think that's a part of what these films do is like, yeah, and sometimes it doesn't even come into a part, the ethnicity, like Men in Black is one of those ones where it's like the, they are completely one's a, black, a young black dude, one's an old white guy. Sometimes the race isn't brought up, but you just—it's just in there. Like you just the way that they act and the, the way that they permeate their their just essence and their being is like, oh yeah. Well, even I *Men in Black*
0: you. is also age. There's a lot of—I don't want to say yes. ageism, but, but age dif- uh, differentiations yeah. in age and generations. Right. And...
2: I think another part of it too um, of these the choice the casting choices is. Um, butts in seats it's like we we by making these two men the the leads we're 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 appealing to more people i'm like let's put nick nolte and eddie murphy in a movie and a, a, literally everyone's going to see it um, yeah. there's no one that's not gonna want to watch that duo um and 48 hours i feel like that's one that we'll definitely uh talk about more i think in the future because that's that's a that was a it's one of the yeah. game changer yeah
1: yeah
0: So then how will these, I mean, we know how, I think, right? It's, we know why Sam and Bucky are kind of already at each other's throats. But one of the other good things about this show is now we'll really get to see why. I mean, the reality is that Bucky has been a zombie for almost all of his MCU shows. He's the most, like, lethal weapon villain in Winter Soldier, the best standalone MCU movie, in my opinion, He's basically a MacGuffin in Civil War that doesn't really get to do too much. And then he's in Infinity and in Endgame for a total of two seconds. And he's called the White Wolf, a name we'll never call him again at the end of Black Panther. Falcon's gotten a little bit more to do, but I was like, now we can really see why these two have tension and what that tension is. Yeah. And beyond that, I don't think the racial stuff is going to come from them. It'll be much more of The time now, which I think will be a little bit more subtle, a little bit hmm. more America not liking its symbols to be anything other than white people. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's interesting because I mean, I don't like, I don't think the race will come up much in between the two of them, but it could because I, I it's, it's funny if you really think about Bucky when he was on ice before he left, before he was that world didn't really have that many people that looked like Sam before hmm. he was put on ice. Yeah, he's like so,
2: they have the old dynamic like he's old he's an old man he's 106 years right. old. right um, so then
1: he comes back and he, he's still half killer half not so until he gets the time on wakanda he's really not around black people and it's fascinating that he even throws in when his like his therapy session like the only time that i felt calm and at peace is when i was in wakanda so maybe that does come in maybe he is a part of it was like i i I did notice that T'Challa showed
0: that. up with that metal arm and said, war was on its <coughs> like, way. And couldn't even let me have a week.
1: That. Right, I <laughs> couldn't even get a, a week off. He's like, back in.
0: And I think some <laughs> of the other tension is going to come from their relationship with Cap. We know at the end of Endgame that he gave the shield to Sam, but is, there could be a little bit of Bucky being like, well, I knew him. And I think that's where the the weight of this symbol is something that's ingrained in Bucky. And ingrained in Sam in different ways.
2: I, I don't yeah. know why I think this. I feel like I read this somewhere. I, I don't. But I feel like Cap went to Bucky first and like talked to him about it first.
0: That's a and, prevailing theory, um, I think.
2: And I think especially because when when Cap was leaving, um, Bucky said like, "I can't believe you're going." um like he knew before he left that he was going so i i don't think that sam getting the shield was a shock to bucky i think he knew it was coming
1: it seemed like when bucky and sam were standing together they saw the they saw old man cap on the bench that bucky sort of just gave him the oh like you go talk to him because he it does it is believed that yeah i think steve already sort of spoke to him and told him where this was where this was headed and i feel like he should sort of know that is where it's headed because in this universe you still can be triggered by just saying a, like five words together real quick, and you might go murder. I'm everybody.
0: sure that's going to come up. I also <laughs> love uh, this idea of this villain group that just liked it better when it was blipped. That That was, is like, something oh, else we, we, didn't we didn't talk touch
1: about on. That. So it's <laughs> so great. Like I was like, oh yeah, because I mean, it's a small line that's in uh, uh, Endgame when Steve goes to talk to Widow, and he's like, oh, the waters are much much clearer. It's like, don't you don't you dare say that it's better with with half these people out but there would be a contingent of people who are like yo I got traffic was clear it was so much easier uh when half the population was gone I
0: mean look at week one of the pandemic you knew there were people who were like it took me 10 minutes to get to work today and goodness knows there's going to be folks who have designed their work from home who when they're then told to go back to the office are going to be like no (laughs) I don't think anybody will be like, it was better when we were in fear, but there's definitely going to, there's the world changes and this is the extreme of that, that I think is very interesting. Uh, So it'll be cool to see where it goes. I like that we're getting a show that's going to deal with, you know, very, very real things going on and that's going to be connected to a genre that has been prevalent in Hollywood for decades now and has like the MCU spanned from being like very serious in tone and kind of silly in tone. So it'll be fun to watch the show play with that because you know the bits are coming.
2: That's what I want. I just want them to the joke. I
0: do, I want the bits.
2: <laughs> I mean that's the one of the reasons I love Civil War is is all the banter and stuff in there and they have some of the best the best lines in that movie.
1: Just the look they give when Sharon and Steve kiss is just, it's fantastic. Just, was, yeah, I still said, oh yeah. And that was when my brain was like, I want to see them just hang out together just yeah. all the time. Or the fight friends. that they had with Spider-Man and the reactions. like, I hate you. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh,
2: there is one thing I want to talk about that I just thought of. Because I, I promised my friend Tate that I would use my MCU Love powers for good sometimes um and so i should bring this up and, and and i think it all comes together we when we talked about doing this show we talked about how you know if we talk about buddy cop movies um there is the cop copaganda um of it all the you know like uh it's a great genre but it you know it sheds good light on cops um and uh and in a way falcon the Winter soldier and, and marvel there's military propaganda happening i mean marvel literally has a contract with the military that they can't really say bad things about the military um and i don't really look at marvel as propaganda um unlike my friend who i just mentioned um uh, i don't watch these shows and think uh, oh uh, the military is the best uh but i do think it's worth noting that um that there is a a correlation, I think, between the cops and the military and and the way that they are all represented in these types of, of shows.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at Disney's history alone with propaganda and the United States government, you go back to the 40s, where they had the good neighbor policy, which is a policy that extended beyond the 40s, but in the 40s, right before our involvement in World War II, they sort of set Walt Disney down and said, yeah, got to go around the world. You got to go to these other countries. We don't want them to become fascist. We don't want them to join the Axis and then make some cartoons that, you know, put them in good light and and help us make good connections with these countries. Uh, some of those examples are the, the classic Donald Duck cartoon when he's in Nazi uniforms. Another example that Terrence and I just talked about on another podcast is the Three Caballeros. And so the, it, it's interesting when you look at this lens of what's kind of going on in the mcu what goes on with hollywood in general and and the military and i think even storytelling but it's hard to ignore that disney has a very big history with literal propaganda and i don't it's a very hard thing to pin down because i think when we think of propaganda we think 40s 60s every bullet's a bear every bear bond is a bullet in the gun of a bah, 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 you gotta do it and we don't really live in that rah-rah climate anymore um not that i think the military is holistically bad or that i even think the police force is holistically entirely 100 all of this needs reform but like don't get me wrong i'm against most of it Uh, But to Jamie's point, yeah, I've never watched Iron Man. It'd been like, time to go sign up. Uh, It doesn't quite have the Simpsons effect where they have the join the Navy boy band music. But uh, even, you know, that's all in there. And I think that's something we're going to have to explore. And that candidly, the MCU will probably also have to, uh, whether or not they'll really be able to do it. But half of how the MCU has treated the military, even as far back as Iron Man, is a middle finger up so there might be some like propaganda in it, but thematically Iron Man two opens with him literally being like the government can't own me. Civil war is entirely about what you can and cannot control. Endgame game is about everything coming back and needing big reform. And I think when you get into this show, we're already seeing the failings of the United States government. When they create a superhero like this, even in one division, they're the villain They're they're fascists and winter soldiers. So it's, it's definitely there and it's definitely worth talking about, but it's v- it's a very interesting topic.
2: Hmm.
0: That I've noticed more and more people recently have started to really bring up in a in a post-Wanda vision. Yeah. I think I think everything, right? We've been grinded to a standstill and it's made us look at a lot of our institutions and organizations and ways that most of us never had. I mean, we're seeing and some of us had, right? We just talked about in in the heat of the night was talking about things that we're talking about now. NWA was saying, fuck the police 30 years before defund the police was a relevant thing. Eminem was shitting on the government. Music's been doing it forever. Movies have been doing it forever. But in the background of that, there has also always been a a glistening light on it. Like you can never fully 100% shit on it, I guess. It's 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 a tough line to walk, but we'll see how they walk it and we'll see how we walk it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, even as bad as it gets sometimes, there's always that comeback to be like, yeah, but wouldn't you like to be a part of this or you should join this? It, it does become a bit of an interesting uh, dichotomy. I don't know if we get into that that much here because at some point in time, this, this show, while it is dealing with government, I don't see the U.S. agent and, and, and this dealing being the big bad of this series. I think cause he's being more used as a uh, bringing them together because we do all know that He's going
2: more of an asshole, I think. Yeah, so like, we
1: do know that Zemo is a part of this series uh, and I, he's gonna be put on the board sooner than later because there's only five episodes to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot to do, but um, I like seeing these conversations. I do, because it really, I think it's good to look back on all of our art at any time and really be like, hmm.
1: I think it's always good. I mean, that's why in the heat of the night is one of those two. Although it did a bit more serious, but I think it's good to have these type of conversations put into a form that's more palatable to people that are that would not normally have this conversation. Like this is this is the comic book show that like we normally wouldn't. We're gonna we're gonna we're taking this time now to have this race race topic right now because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't do this on your own, um, and you're gonna watch it because it says Marvel Studios at the top of it, which we we got you. So now we can kind of do whatever the hell we want to while you're here.
0: But I think even, you know, you get outside of Marvel and you, if you dissect anything in any way, it's very easy to all of a sudden be like, Oh no, like half of the stuff I like is reinforcing something that I don't like. Or is advertising something. I mean, nine, my, we were, this is such a very odd thing, but we were driving to Chicago, me and my dad and my mom, and we had a podcast on years ago and they kept, doing their ads. And also my dad was like, I think podcasts are just advertising. And I was like, no, they're like really trying to do something, but also like literally everything is advertising. And unfortunately that's the world we live in is like, there's still like product placement in these movies. And there's still all of this other stuff. And as things do get better, I mean, every movie used to be like, smoking makes you the coolest person in the world. It's and now we're budget. like...
2: Whenever I see someone smoking in a movie, I'm like, yeah.
0: They're
1: dope. It's, it's <laughs> fascinating to see when that stops, too. Like, you get you have to just go go down the years and you all of a sudden, like, oh, this is the time. Because now, literally, no one is but, smoking where literally everyone was doing it before.
0: I think one of the things that I've had to personally reconcile with is I have had more and more conversations of, like, the media is making things this way. And things like propaganda and military propaganda and its damages... I was a big proponent in high school, and I still am, of the like, video games don't cause violence. They don't make you violent. The music's not making you violent. So it would be a little hypocritical of me to now be like, it makes all of us join the military.
2: Sure, but so I, think, I do think there's a difference. Um, uh, oh, I, and I think that the the difference is in, in term when it's like military military propaganda and stuff is that we, you know, m- these movies are being made in Hollywood. They're all American, and it's it's just that I think that people who maybe aren't as smart as we are um, um, continue to see uh, America as the heroes and in every single thing, um, and it's more about I think perception. It's not about um, making you want to join the military. It's about you thinking the military is uh, a, a good, uh, good, good. Uh, hero, heroic uh, people who always do the right thing. And and, and, and you know, that's just not really true. I think it also right. gets
1: a little bit muddier that up until a couple of, like almost like a decade ago, the majority of the films that were made in, in the U.S. were strictly for U.S. audiences. And now that we're starting to go across the seas and in, into other countries, doing all of that U.S. propaganda seems a little bit more disingenuous.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's interesting.
2: But I agree with you. I, I, when I was in high school, I was on the news um, once, and they asked me that question, do you think like violent movies make people violent? And I'm like, I watch Reservoir Dogs like every other day, and I'm not trying to kill anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: wish I had footage of that, of me talking about Reservoir Dogs on the news, and I was like, six years. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like I, I saw natural born killers when I was a teen, like a teenager. I'm fine. Nothing's happening.
0: I <laughs> know you're right. It will, it, well, it requ- like everything. I think it requires discussion. Cause I think a lot of the other side of these institutions is like, we did believe that the cops had our best interest. We did believe that the military had at least America's interests and they don't, they often don't. And they're often going to do things that you disagree with. And I think people our age, saw that a lot quicker than other people i think we we got involved in iraq very quickly we grew up in an era where cops were already we were seeing a lot of the stuff we're already talking about we were inundated with it so quickly that i think even it's why i think something like the winter soldier resonated so much more with us than something like the first iron man there was a a much deeper honesty to that movie to us not that I'm also saying that the military is a bunch of Nazis, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it, guys. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. You can, of course, leave us a review on iTunes a comment on YouTube. Subscribe to either one, whichever way you're going. Pick your poison. You can, of course, follow the show at Hollywood ADI and Hollywood already did it on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. I'm at, as always, Blake, Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics and Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Terrence and I do t- another podcast called You Can't Do That Anymore, where we do exactly what we were just talking about. We look back on old classic movies and get into what they did well, what they did wrong, if it still holds up, when, what, what kind of is going on with it through the lens of 2021. I do another one called How Do You Figure about action figure collecting. And Jamie, of course, is at comicbook.com and BuzzFeed and is still on phase zero,
2: I wasn't on the first Falcon the Winter Soldier episode, but I might be on the second. Uh, TBD.
0: So, demand her in. <laughs> release <laughs> no, the Jamie No, I can wake up cuts. two hours
2: early. If, if, if they don't have me on, I just get to sleep
1: in. <laughs> I'm sleeping in.
0: <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. We will uh, see everybody next week.
1: Later.